everyone. Welcome to episode 295 of This Is Whole Life. We are in our Arise series, and this week we were going to arise with confidence. But before we jump in, as always, we encourage your feedback, whether that be a text or voicemail or by email. And today we have longtime listener and frequent listener that gives us feedback is Doug Spinella. And he had some comments uh, came in just, I mean, literally before we pressed record from episode 293. And that was Arise With... uh, That was Arise With Trust. With Trust, right. With the paralytic Jesus healed on the Sabbath. And we have his comments in a voicemail. So we're going to go ahead and listen to them now and we'll respond. Hey guys, really enjoyed um, episode 293 on Arise With Trust. Actually, I was thinking about this too. We were talking about um, for him Arise and take his map. There's a couple things I was thinking about. One is, I wonder at that point, too, he would have been so, you know, almost given up hope if he's been that way for 38 years, um, which is a big, big part, which a lot of people are today. But, you know, while we're looking at the physical um, uh, part of him that was lame or whatever that didn't allow him to, to walk, if you think about it for majority of people today, especially for the last couple of years and the rise of uh, chronic anxiety and depression and so forth, for them to be able to pick up their mat and go outside or go to work or just go out and do social things has gotten a lot tougher. So looking at what you guys were talking about from the physical healing, um, there's so much mental um, healing that can come from that story as well. Anyway, just it was a good episode. Excellent. Well, as always, Doug, thank you for your feedback. Insightful, knowing that we've seen so much of this pandemic in all of the mental health issues that have arisen and maybe are yet to all be uncovered. But I think he's got a point there that being that long, that's got to mess with all kinds of things in your mind. I think that's, I mean, it's an excellent point. I think you, obviously it's going to, we think about just what two years of, uh, or, or, you know, just a few months of being, you know, <laughs> locked down and it can do to a person. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think that's just such a great point. It's definitely going to definitely influence the way I look at that story in the future. I think that's just, it's a really good point. I, I think you can't, you can't go through the Bible and not realize, you know, just because mental health is a, a more recent, uh, you know, basically in the last hundred years, we've really, really uh, changed the way in which we look at illnesses and those kind of things. And and so, yeah, so much probably was not taken into consideration uh, by the early commentators about how much mental health probably affected how, and I think it was interesting. I've read a book uh, called Jesus, the psychologist, and it was actually quite interesting how Jesus was uh, so astute into those areas too, that you read through scripture. If you haven't listened to episode 293, please do go back, Arise with Trust. I believe that was our first in this series. And if you haven't caught up with or maybe backlogged a little bit, don't miss it because there was a lot of a lot of good points all through this horizon. All of our messages, I think, are pertinent. And I did get a compliment on Saturday when I was at the Pathfinder meeting. And if you don't know, we have a new Pathfinder club going on with a multi-church approach called Orlando City Pathfinders. And someone came up to me and said, you know, I always enjoy the podcast, 
But the Arise series has really raised the stakes, and I, I really appreciated them. So that was a nice comment to hear that the intentionality that's gone into being very specific about a year and a theme, and then starting off that same year with the message series, really describing it and really helping us understand what we're going through for the rest of the year, I think has been really helpful. I felt it myself, and it's always good to hear that others are feeling the same way. So I thought that was excellent input. So. Well, make sure you tell that person we all said thank you. Okay, Randy? Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes, thank you so much. And I really liked this week because I love the story of Nicodemus. As small as it is, I think part of it feels like there's almost a mythology in Christianity about Nicodemus, who he was, where he ended up, the choices that he made. And he tends to maybe be a little bit of a whipping boy sometimes. But I I liked the paragraph that went along with the message. It said, we live in a time when it's a real challenge to know what or whom to believe. We regularly make presumptions based on our personal biases. However, when we have doubts and questions, there is one constant, and that is the life of Jesus. Even when the way of Jesus seems unreasonable, difficult, or even impossible, he calls us to arise and believe that in him, all things are possible. There's a lot to unpack just in that, but I believe that when we look at Nicodemus, he just gets this, well, he didn't He didn't really make the right decision or the whole in the dead of night, almost like a James Bond meeting where there's a code word and covert and all these kinds of things. And you kind of kind of think that this, like you said, you kind of turn this understanding upside down. But even as what the things that he believed that Jesus starts to explain to him, and I love the clip, of course, of The Chosen. If you haven't seen The Chosen, I would recommend going on to your app store and finding The Chosen app or their website and uh, watching it. And the, that that episode with Nicodemus might be my favorite, actually. There, I mean, that's hard to say. There's so many good ones. But I think about that. When you said, Ken, that this kind of flips things on, it's kind of flipped the narrative and everything that he believed and held dear. And I'm thinking to myself, what is it that I myself or us as Christians or as a denomination, maybe in the same way, we don't really realize that we're things that are staring us in the face, but because they're so different, we may ignore or assume that they can't be truth or there might be a need for us to change. And much in that same same way, there's more that we can learn. There's more light to, to be found. Are there things that are standing in front of us that are keeping us from that relationship that you talked about this week with Jesus that we don't even realize are holding us back because we just don't see them because it's not part of the Christian narrative or the SDA narrative? I think there's a lot, right? I think that I think that any time that we hold more tightly to our theology than we hold to Jesus, Ooh. we're in deep trouble. And because when our the- when Jesus goes against our theology, our understanding of who God is, then we choose our tradition, our mm. our own wisdom over the infinite wisdom of God. And while God says that he doesn't change, that doesn't mean that we don't change and that he doesn't interact differently with different people in different times and different places. And we can uh, before somebody calls me out for heresy, I mean, we can go <laughs> ahead and and immediately point to Paul and circumcision 
And the Old Testament is very plain that circumcision is an eternal symbol between God and his people. And yet Paul basically says, you don't need to do that anymore, not just if you're a Gentile, but if you're a Jew as well. It's not, it's, it, it no longer holds relevance. And that's a, that's, that's something pretty large. That would be a pretty huge <laughs> <Yeah>. paradigm <laughs> yeah. change. And, 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 a ch- and not just paradigm, but a change in theology. And so that's what I mean when I say we, we've got to be holding on to Jesus over top of our perceived understanding of what the Bible's saying and what we're supposed to do. You know, the fact that Paul says that circumcision is no longer important doesn't mean that it wasn't valid when God instituted it in the Old Testament. Yeah. It just means that it served its purpose and God knew it. And through inspiring Paul, that's something different now. And so I think I think we've got to really, really, really be careful about holding on to these cherished beliefs that if they were to disappear, that it would, that it would somehow change our relationship with Jesus. In other words, everything else can change, but Jesus, my relationship with him is the one thing that is the constant in everything that has to stay there. And if Jesus tells me to do something, I need to do it. Yeah. But I, I just think again, going back to that whole Nicodemus thing, you know, in the clip that we watched, I think that we just, we become so used to the fact that Jesus came for, to, to take away our spiritual sins and to overthrow, you know, the spiritual aspect of things that we just don't grasp what a huge shift in theology that would have been for Nicodemus. Yeah. I mean, the, and, and, and not just the change in theology, but just what, what Nicodemus needed physically you you have a country that's completely dominating your country. You're subservient to them. You have to pay taxes that are unjust. You have to you, you're you're constantly in, in a state of humiliation from this from the Romans. And you your your theology has taught you that the Messiah is going to come and finally make that right. And finally, you're not going to be at the bottom of the pile anymore. And Jesus comes along and says, yeah, no, not so much. Um, <laughs> wow. And I wonder if we can really put ourselves in in those shoes and, and say, you know, if Jesus came along and met with us at night and told us that, you know, something that we cherish deeply in our theology, that wasn't the way that we thought it was going to be. I wonder whether we would accept Jesus' words or whether we would just discount him the way that most of the, the priests and Pharisees did. That's a big fearful thing for a lot of people to, to think about. I, I, my mind goes back to my dad who really struggled with this concept of that God was bigger and God was, um, more expansive and much more of a mystery than our denomination or than our set of beliefs or you know there was just it was really hard for him to grasp because he said he says you know one of the things that was that's hard for me is because i grew up in a home where we didn't have a father and my mother was asked by the by the pastor if if she could allow him to be the 
the rule maker, the father. And so we were basically just being raised by the pastor of the church. Not that that's a bad or good thing, but it became very much you do this. And once you follow the list, you're secure. Your salvation's secure. Everything, as long as you follow that list, he said. And so for me, that list was salvation. As long as I did all the right things, then I was saved. And he, and he struggled with, you know, this all of a sudden back in the 70s when, when you know, Venden started talking about, wait a minute, righteousness by faith? What is that? And he says it was, it was just a huge, really hard thing. And it's fearful to live in that kind of perplexity or that mystery of God. It's really what made me stop to think about, because I was raised that way too, where not that we never talked about things as a family, but my parents, I think their relationship with Jesus was much more personal and not something that was shared as widely as maybe I try to do with my kids and maybe probably even less from their parents. It was like, you know, go to church, listen, pay attention. You're going to Sabbath school. You're going to Pathfinders. You're, you know, you're doing all these things. Yeah. And you should be gleaning from all of that. And I just wonder, because I, I, I talk to people that I grew up with, and so many times, why do you do that? Or why do you believe this? And the the immediate look says, well, or their answer is, well, that's what I was taught. You know, when, remember in grade school when so-and-so said this and this and you know, told us anyone eating bacon's going to hell and, you know, all, all these different things <laughs> that you were that you were taught or just maybe you weren't taught. You were they were just sound bites, but impressionable ages and sound bites. And I just wonder how much we've grown from those when we still hold on to certain things that we've really never maybe totally given to God or totally looked into it for ourselves and when we hear someone else, we're immediately like, well, no, 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 you, that, that, that can't be right because we're just holding on to this piece. And so those are the things as you were preaching the message this week, I was thinking to myself, is there anything that I'm just blind on or that I'm just not getting? And I'm sure there probably are. I couldn't think of one, obviously, but that would almost be expected if that something was there, wouldn't it be? <laughs> it's kind of the definition of a blind spot, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. And if so you know it's there, it's not a blind spot. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. So you, you start doing this around and around in your mind. And I think that's daunting sometimes for people that are, un, you know, they're a little, maybe they're a little insecure about their walk with Jesus and maybe their biblical knowledge or what what does a walk with Jesus look like? I don't feel like I have enough answers to feel like I'm have the walk I need or that I don't always feel maybe the comfort that I think I should feel. You know, all these things and well, I know that boils it down to feelings, but Yeah. Well, Randy, I don't want to jump into next year too quick and I am going ahead and saying something a little cryptic. We'll see if our listeners catch it, but uh the real question here is when Jesus asks you to arise, and you do, and then he says, follow me, are you willing to follow him when it doesn't make sense? Mm. Because it's one, it's one thing to arise, but then Jesus says, follow me. And when he says, follow me, are you willing to follow him down a road that doesn't make sense to you? Um, yeah. and, and so that's the, 
that's the question we all have to wrestle with because I don't think there's a single disciple that Jesus called to follow him, not one, that Jesus didn't take them in a direction that they that they expected. He went in a different direction than they all expected. And he still does that today with us because he's God and we're not. And he, he knows what's best and we don't. From our human standpoint, we think we have an idea. But God knows what's best for us. And the real question just simply becomes, are we really serious about following Jesus wherever he leads? Yeah. Because I'm okay with following Jesus to some places he leads. But there are other places that I'm pretty <laughs> sure he took a wrong turn and I can help him with that. Uh, sure. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. That, <laughs> that just sounds so familiar. Um I don't think any of us have to look or think back too far to find an instance of that in ourselves. You know, one of the things I love about Nicodemus is that, it, like you said, we kind of make him out to be a little bit of a um, – and this is actually one of the areas I disagree with uh, with the Chosen on because what I, I show you the part of the clip I wanted to show you, but the, at the end of that clip, Jesus actually invites Nicodemus to come and follow him and be his disciple along with the other disciples that we know of. And I I don't know that I, I, in fact, I'll say just straight up, I love the chosen. I think they got it wrong. Yeah. I, I don't think that Jesus called Nicodemus in the same way that he to do that. I think that Nicodemus, my reading of the story of Nicodemus is that Nicodemus is exactly where Jesus wants him and needs him to be. And, and I'll, I'll go ahead and use this as an example. I, I have people that I've worked with in my life that have asked me, especially after the Seventh-day Adventist Church took the stance they took on women being ordained. They said, how can you stay in a church that treats women that way? How can you be a part of that? How can you be a part of, of what, from their perspective, and my perspective, is is, is very unfair and unjust treatment of, of women. Right. And, yep. uh, so how can you be a part of that? And, and my answer is, I think the same one is it's interesting. Jesus didn't, you read the gospels and you will see that Jesus did not call Nicodemus to give up his seat on the Sanhedrin, didn't ask him to quit. He doesn't do that. He leaves Nicodemus where he's at to be his follower there and Nicodemus sticks up for Jesus in the Sanhedrin. He he, st- he sticks up for Jesus when it matters. And tradition suggests that when they went to finally, when they finally did go to convict Jesus and to sentence him to death, that they deliberately didn't invite Nicodemus to those meetings. Right, yeah. Because they knew he was against it. And so... And so I think that's really instructive um, that that we don't always have to – you can – a lot of people struggle with how they can be a part of an organization that doesn't share every single one of their beliefs or even goes against some really important parts of their beliefs. And for me, one of the things I've come to is it doesn't matter for me. It matters where Jesus has called me to be. Where has he called me to be? And for me, as much as I disagree with the decision that the Seventh-day Adventist Church made when it came to ordaining women, this is where I know I'm called to be. And sometimes being the loyal opposition is a good thing. I agree with you in the fact that when we first saw that episode, I mean, it is one of my favorite episodes. I've already said that. And 
when they leave him at the fountain, they don't. Jesus knows he's there, or it's implied that he knows he's there. And Nicodemus cries because he's not taking him up on his offer. But I, I went and looked, and I, I didn't read anywhere in the Bible that said that that was the case. But it wasn't here nor there to me at that point from the show's perspective. I mean, we we trust the Bible first, and the parts that we can glean, like the clip that you showed, really brings a human aspect to it. And I think that was, I think it's very helpful. And I liked how you comparing. Nicodemus to the disciples because we often say you know, like he's this covert guy in the dark and he stands up for Jesus in public. He's one of the guys that goes to help bury the body of Jesus. He brings 75 pounds of this perfumed ointment. So, you know, the assumption that he's this shadow guy that's just trying to, you know, maintain his life as status quo, but but also being a follower of Jesus kind of gets turned on his head. And I just thought it was interesting because when you said that, I'm like, well, when he was being buried and he was being uh, questioned in the Garden of Gethsemane, they came to get him. I mean, Nicodemus did way better than the disciples did. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. I, this guy, no, I don't know him at all. And maybe a little bit different circumstances prior to the crucifixion than afterwards. But I just thought it was an interesting comparison, at least in my mind, of, you know, maybe that narrative is a little tired and maybe we need to uh, put that one to bed a little well, bit. Well, even in John 7, the other scripture that I used where where the, the Pharisees mock him saying, don't you know that a, a prophet never arises from from, from, from Galilee? <laughs> Galilee, yeah. From Galilee. Right, right there you recognize that they were very aware of of where Nicodemus' sympathies were and what Nicodemus thought. And and that doesn't sound like somebody who's really in complete hiding to me. It sounds like no. somebody who it's become clear where he stands and they kind of know it and they they give him a hard time for it. What's wrong with you, buddy? Don't you <laughs> I thought you were a good theologian. I thought you knew your Bible. Don't you know that, that the Bible says that it can't be this way? And you know, it doesn't re- record. The Bible doesn't record what Nicodemus' response to them was on that. But clearly, <laughs> clearly, he still bought into who Jesus was. And what a just what an incredible thing for Nicodemus. You know, sometimes we're a little bit embarrassed about how we come to Jesus. And I'm sure Nicodemus would have loved to had it recorded that he came to Jesus during the day. <laughs> you know, that he publicly did that, but. The point is that he came to Jesus. He came to Jesus. And that's, I think, the point for all of us today is that, you know, whether we come to Jesus in darkness or in day, the point is come to Jesus. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, that for sure. As you were saying that, it always makes me wonder, like, these are really unique characters in the Bible story. And I'm always left wondering you find a character that really intrigues you and you want to know more. <laughs> and I know one of the questions that was asked, I think it was by Zoe, where else in the Bible, where, where else do we find the story of Nicodemus? And you mentioned the spots that were very few, but you said in church tradition, there was this idea that he sold everything to support the early church. And I I didn't know, or I didn't draw a conclusion as to what that church tradition was. Can you go into that in a little more detail? It's based off of traditions that have been handed down from the early church fathers. So if you go to um, sources like Augustine and um, some of the kind of the early 
church founders, those were those are some of the um, the traditions that got handed down to the church about Nicodemus. Hmm. And I'm not sure if Augustine is one of the ones who who record. I can't remember which. But uh, as I was studying this in one of the commentary sets that I used, they were saying that early tradition suggests that, that this is what happened with Nicodemus. Wow. Isn't there some connection between Nicodemus and Josephus? Isn't there a, a wasn't there? A, there might be, there might be some of that too. Um, at least in, in, again, with tradition, I think there was a uh, connection made between Nicodemus and Josephus. And you, and you don't have this story, by the way, in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. Right. So right. You, you think that maybe John probably got that story a little later as the church is growing. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Man. The, you know, Ellen White actually says that Nicodemus told this story to John. So, and if you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know who Ellen White is, that um, she was one of the founders of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And the Adventist Church believes that she was inspired by God and able to kind of share some of the, the things that happened uh, from Bible times and particularly Jesus' life. And and that's her, her statement on it was that Nicodemus shared and it, it maybe, I mean, I wonder if, um, I think she may also have said something along the lines of Nicodemus giving um, a lot of his money to support the church. But hmm. yeah. That's interesting. I mean, how cool if that's, a, if that's a firsthand account that he actually, you know, actually talked to John. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I think that one of the things we have to keep in mind is that, you know, these especially when people are mentioned by a specific name in the Bible, there's always almost always significance to the early church with that person. You know, it's kind of like name dropping in our society today. It's like, Oh, I hung out with this person or that person. And it, it gives you some credibility, you know, and, and in the gospels, when you see people's names being specifically used, you know, another, you know, example of that is, when you take um, Jesus, when his cross, remember his cross gets picked up by a man as he's going to Golgotha, right? Mm -hmm. Simon of Cyrene. And then it says Simon the Cyrene, the father of Alexander, and I, I can't remember the other son's name. But whenever they do something like that, they're, they're, they're pointing to people that the early church members would know. And they're basically using them as credible witnesses that you can go ask so-and-so because their dad was the one that carried the cross for Jesus and they can tell you more about it. And, Oh, you know, Nicodemus, he helped, um, oh, yeah. he helped uh, us, you know, start our church and he gave a lot of his money and this is, and, and this is how you know him. You know, one of the other interesting theories that's out there and this, this is a little just moving slightly off topic, but another one of those interesting theories is Joseph of Arimathea. He really only gets mentioned the once in, in the book of John, but there are those who believe that Joseph of Arimathea, and again, there's not solid biblical evidence for this, but there there's those that believe that Joseph of Arimathea was the rich young ruler that, ah. that goes away from Jesus when Jesus asked him to sell everything that he has. And it, it's kind of a neat I would love for that to be true because it would kind of be the, the nice ending to that story Yeah, where he goes away. He's not willing to give it all up, but he comes back and there is redemption for him at the end because 
And while he wasn't willing to sell everything while Jesus was alive, he certainly gives of his best to Jesus when Jesus dies. And so, again, there's no biblical evidence to back that up. It's just a a conjecture on on different people based on evidence that that that's there that that could potentially support it. I think I've heard that before, and I don't. I couldn't tell you exactly where, but I'm I'm sure I have. And that you're right. That would make a really cool kind of bow, nice little tiny bow on that uh, on that story. Because I think often we forget that Nicodemus came back and was caring for the Lord in in such a cool way that after the just the abuse and the the absolute beating that Jesus took, and for there to be you know two guys that are willing to take the cost and I mean the 75 pounds I can only assume that all of this perfumed ointment was not cheap and the fact that they would care for his body and make sure that he was taken care of even in death I that's um, it's, it's not a part of the story that we focus on a lot and when you, it, it just adds another piece of that to Nicodemus's story that just makes it's a little it's a little heartwarming to at the end of it to just think about at least from a human perspective, there was a little bit of dignity after the fact from two people yeah. that may have been, from what m- maybe most people looked on the outside, <laughs> you know, maybe would have been the least li- least likely suspects. I think the other important thing and the thing that I really love about it is this, is that I think there's sometimes this impression that um, if you turn Jesus down, you're done. Oh yeah, you there know, you go. The rich, the rich young ruler, he walked away sadly, and now he's doomed to hell. Yeah. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night, and maybe you know Jesus extends an invitation to him to be a disciple, which I don't think. But if, he, but let's just say that was the case, and he decides not to do it, and we tend to say, oh, you, you missed your opportunity, you're done. And I think the Bible shares just a completely different picture that that Jesus keeps keeps after us, even when we've turned him down multiple times. And that's not a good excuse to keep turning away from Jesus. We should never do that. But what it does is it gives me, it gives me hope and it gives people who, who've made big mistakes in their life and they think, well, I I messed it up. I should have made my decision. And now it's too, it's not too late. It's not too late. Make the decision. Yeah. Make the decision to follow Jesus now. It's not, I mean, Goodness knows, Joseph and Arimathea must have really felt like Jesus, while Jesus will never really appreciate what I'm doing for him or understand that I really did believe in him. But he still, you know, he still went out on that limb, went before Pilate, asked for the body, and then gives him his own tomb. It's a beautiful thing. And I think that all of us need to understand that, you know, if you hear the Holy Spirit calling on your heart, it's not too late. You know, it's not too late. Absolutely. Well, and that brings us into our one of our whole life reflections this week that asked, what causes you to lack confidence in Jesus? And as you think about it personally, there might be a couple things that pop into your head. And one of them for me is I'm not patient enough. And I, I think that's my number one reason where I lack confidence because I just don't see things as fast as I want to see them. (laughs) And maybe they don't manifest themselves in a way that I want them to, or maybe that I'm not expecting them to. So I probably miss them somehow. 
And I usually try to be very upfront and frank with God. I mean, not that he doesn't know my thoughts anyway, but to just be, you know, as clear as he can be, because I'm pretty stupid sometimes when it comes to signs and things that I'm asking for and and how that might look to him instead of me. And that's probably where my confidence and maybe that the disconnect of where I, I feel like maybe I'm just not seeing things the way I'm supposed to. And so, you know, they, I kind of get caught up in that little the little you know rat's wheel of trying to figure out all these different things when I probably just need to be quiet and wait for something that I'm not patient enough to do. So I don't know if that resonates with anybody else, but I would love to hear what causes your lack of confidence in Jesus. And if you don't lack confidence, please send us a line. Let me know what it is that you do that you don't lack confidence because that would be wonderful to hear some positive stories on on that. So let us know by voicemail or text, just like Doug did this week, to 407-965-1607. Or if email is easier, podcast at wholelife.church. We did not have any extra questions from the Q&A this week. If you listen to our sister podcast, Speaking of Grace, which is the message which does contain the Q&A. And this week, I believe it was from First Service. You can catch a few of those. But if you have questions, please do send them on. We'd love to tackle them here. And then our final thoughts come from the closing to Kent's message. And I love this. He said, God so loved you that he sent his son to this earth to redeem you and he would do it again. I mean, sometimes we think about the first time that they were expecting the Messiah. He came, he died. We know that story, but you know, he'd do it again because he just knew that he wanted to be in relationship with us. And maybe that just makes all the difference in the world when we're thinking about what our questions or what our confidence level might be, that that's the God who looks out for us each and every day. That's pretty awesome. So, Next week, arise with God's Spirit. Tell us more, Ken. Oh, come to church and find out. <laughs> <laughs> Keep them guessing. I like it. We got All right. some good stuff. I can tell you that. Well, also, and I believe this is coming up this week as well. Downtown Ooh. Community two point two. And we're getting oh, a yeah. giveaway at church this Sabbath. We have a what at church this Sabbath? A giveaway. <laughs> what? We have, if you come to church this Sabbath, you are going to walk away with something that we are are giving to you with our, in terms of our theme for this year. So hmm. you might not want to miss this Sabbath now that I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> now that I think about it. <laughs> so, you know, if you're just, <laughs> if you're just. Yeah, a... <laughs> that's probably not the way I wanted to word that. <laughs> well, if Before you're. you might have wanted to. Now you don't want to. Yeah, now nah, forget it. <laughs> no, if you are a someone that just, you know, catches the podcast. Uh, But if you're local, please do stop in. Church is at 930 and at 12. And those, I'm assuming those gifts will be at both services. And and then if you have a great time, like I think you will, then we also have downtown community this in the afternoon. 4 p.m. is a worship concert, 5 p.m. Whole Life Church Town Hall. And at six o'clock, food trucks get out of town. Food trucks? Do we know what kind of food trucks are we not? Or we have to just come. Oh, well, and, you're going to have to come, find and, out come and find I, out. I don't know, but <laughs> there'll be good food trucks. But I will tell people: make sure you bring cash. This is uh, this is if you want to eat, you're going to need to have some money. We're just arranging for the trucks to be there so that you can be fed. But oh, uh, that wasn't the. I see. Now I thought I was just. Now this is just me. I heard gifts, and I thought those were going to be meal vouchers for food trucks. Well, that would be super nice, and. Uh, <laughs> 
but uh, that is not what it will be. <laughs> that okay? Repeat. That is not. You're not getting food vouchers if you come to church for the food trucks. Oh man! It's, but it'll be better than that. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> oh oh oh! I didn't write it down, and we talked about it before we pressed record. So let's hit one more thing. Our 300th episode, which is kind of a big deal. That's uh, goodness. That's almost six years of podcast episodes every single week. We have not missed a podcast episode, and I believe there's only two weeks that I was in Hawaii where we had replays, kind of a best of. So essentially, along with bonuses, we've actually had more than 300 episodes if we if we counted the bonus. But full episodes will be 300, and that's going to be on March 1st. And Ken, as always, has the best ideas. And he said, "What you know, we should do something for 300. So let's put it out there to podcast land. We'd be willing to travel. We would be willing to go somewhere on a remote location. It could be, you know, if you got a, a great backyard and a pool and you want to have everyone for a pool party, that'd be cool. Um, you know, if you have a smoker out back that we can, you know, put some stuff on the grill, that'd be wonderful. If you guys want to meet at the beach, I mean, give us some ideas of what might be a fun thing. Good that restaurant. We, yeah, good know, restaurant. Sure. You know somebody at Disney or Universal that would let us, you know, do the broadcast from the, you know, the castle or, you know, here I am talking you know, about the beach it? in the backyard and Ken's talking about the princess castle at Disney. Hey, I got to look, I got to raise dream big, Randy, dream big. I am Just not, <laughs> I'm not dreaming big enough. Obviously. If you know, if you know Joe Biden and could get an invitation to the white house, we'd be happy to do it there. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll travel. I mean, if you guys were there for the for the uh, pizza night, you know that our gear, like our footprint's pretty small. We just need like one cord to plug in, so you know we're cheap. We don't, you know, use a lot of electricity, and so yeah, yeah, whatever you can come up with, we'd be uh, we'd be uh, forever grateful. So again, you can send those suggestions in to podcast at wholelife dot church or four zero seven nine six five one six zero seven. Send us your suggestions, and maybe if we pick yours. I might have a little something stashed away in my desk drawer as a little thank you gift for being the one that is the idea that we choose. So how about that? We do all have glossy pictures of ourselves that we could autograph, right? <laughs> well, we have a <laughs> we are selling this way too high. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's time. I'm just saying between now and then there is time that we could make all that happen. So if you guys want glossies, all you got to do is say, guys, give us the glossies. <laughs> We're, we're ready, and now that you've already just you've just turned us off, and uh, we'll <laughs> oh my, oh my, oh my. Uh, anyway, so please do that. That's right. Ken's still in a COVID fog. He doesn't know. Uh, no, but but seriously, uh, do send us your suggestions because we'd love to do something fun and do something creative, and you know who knows, maybe throw a few surprises at us. That would be wonderful. So. Thanks for joining us. As always, guys, we appreciate you listening and sharing and have a great rest of your week. All right. That's <laughs> all right. <laughs> the Disney dude. If someone comes up with a Disney castle, oh, boy. <laughs> That would be something. I'm going to laugh my head off if that happens. I'm going to oh. laugh. So if, if we get some super cool place, and I'll say, take that, you doubting Thomas. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs>